God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessed be God's kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to your hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Of the land. I will feed them with good pasture, 
and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and they shall feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. That therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you pushed with flank and shoulder, and butted at all the weak animals with your horns, until you scatter them far and wide. I will save my flock, and they shall no longer be ravaged, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. The word of the Lord.
epistle of Paul to Ephesians. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The word of the Lord.
the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand, and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that I saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry? or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you. And then he will answer, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
me back to St John's to preach again. Susan, you've been amazingly generous. Just when you were getting nicely settled in as rector, Bill and Hope Eakins dropped in the suggestion that you might want to risk having me, this old Brit, to preach at the church and just after Thanksgiving as well, when you are all celebrating having got rid of us colonial throwback. <laughs> you're, you're truly kind. Now, obviously, I have been very well briefed. I must stay away from anything too controversial or political. I can't really do the ancient Greek orator's trick of doing a philippic. You know, saying loudly, I'm not going to say anything about Philip, and then going on to say what an awful person he is. So, no Brexit and Trump then. So, sorry, and all that. Instead, I want to get to grips with the sheep and the goats. Are you a sheep? or a goat. It's a rigid division. On the right side, the Elysian fields await you. But if you are Billy Goat Gruff, nothing so nice. That's the thing I want to explore with the sheep and the goats, division. People divided, divided because they disagree. They disagree about what is the best thing to do. And then perhaps do they have those divisions confirmed, ratified by the judge eternal? At Thanksgiving you are celebrating independence from the colonial power that we were, the young nation standing on its own feet. It was a journey started by the Pilgrim Fathers, by the Puritans, who found themselves different from, at odds with, divided from the society they were leaving in England. So I want to look at that division. It stemmed, at least in part, from the religious ferment and turmoil of the Reformation. You know, apart from those things that I'm not talking about, the other thing this year that been of special note, not in our political but in our spiritual life, has indeed been the Martin Luther 500th anniversary, 500 years since he is said to have posted up his 95 theses, his 95 points, where he was at odds with the Roman Catholic Church on the church door at Wittenberg in Saxony, which is reckoned to be the event which started the Reformation. And the Reformation led to civil war and persecution, all kinds of violence. The particularly ghastly thing about it was that the preferred way of getting rid of opponents was to burn them alive at the stake. We often spend time on Good Friday during the three hours devotion reflecting on the dreadful mechanics of death by crucifixion. But death by burning seems to me to have been 
arbitrary and undeserved. Think, for example, of Thomas Cranmer, the great scholar and archbishop who created the first Book of Common Prayer in 1549 and gave the new Church of England liturgy, forms of worship, which were for the first time in a language that could be understanded of the people, as they said, in English instead of in Latin. Although they were, in fact, based on and continued the tradition of the services which in some cases could be traced right back to the earliest church fathers. But even this saintly man, even this brilliant scholar, Cranmer, was eventually burned to death at the hands of the original Bloody Mary, Queen Mary, who brought the Catholic faith back for the duration of her reign. And this happened because Cranmer was a Protestant at a time when it was no longer the thing to do, the thing to be. <coughs> we don't know whether he actually met Martin Luther. Some scholars such as Dermot McCulloch think that he might well have done, but he certainly spent time in Zurich with Swingley and Butzer. It's fascinating to see how Cranmer reflected the way the ideas of the Reformation ebbed and flowed in this revolutionary time, in the way in which he dealt uh, in the Book of Common Prayer with what was happening in the Holy Communion, at the point when the bread and the wine are shared. The Roman Church, the Catholics, believed in what they called transubstantiation, the real presence of Jesus' body and blood in the bread and the wine of the Holy Communion. But many of the Reformers didn't believe in transubstantiation. For them, the bread and the wine were just that, bread and wine, just symbols of a greater thing. And the words in Cranmer's prayer book change to reflect these different understandings from the 1549 original, where the bread and the wine are treated simply in the Catholic way, this is my body, this is the blood, as actually being Christ's body and blood. To his revision in 1552, three years later, perhaps after he had met the other reformers, take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for thee, and feed on him in thy heart by faith with thanksgiving. No actual body and blood means that they just are symbols of the wider reality. Bread and wine are still bread and wine. And just after Cranmer's awful death in 1556, there was a further revision which came into the final version of the prayer book in 1662, which is what we have in a slightly different order in the service that will take part in, in the next few minutes. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ broken for thee, eat this in remembrance that Christ died for thee, and feed on him in thy heart by faith with thanksgiving. The first bit, the body, the actual body, and then a remembrance, a symbol, feeding by faith, not literally. So now you can be anywhere 
on the Catholic Protestant spectrum and find spiritual resonance somewhere in those words. But the point is that then people were dying. People were dying for those differences. Or they were feeling so alienated by them that they opted to make a perilous voyage to a largely unknown land and make a new life as the Pilgrim Fathers did. It's frankly strange, almost repugnant to us today to think that any state could mete out this ultimate punishment, death, to a learned theologian like Cranmer, or to drive away the fairly saintly pilgrims. But it did. Belief, opinion, learned opinion, was a life or death affair. Now we can look back 500 years and shake our heads sagely, regretting how brutal life was then. But we are far too rational to let ourselves go into that kind of overreaction. But, but I wonder, you know, I promised not to talk about Mexican drama, but I will just say that it seems to be true, for it's back home in England over Brexit, and dare I say here, where President Trump is concerned, that a climate has built up recently where people on each side not only feel strongly, very strongly, but they have stopped talking to each other. Certainly at home in the UK, the referendum on Brexit has divided people, divided people in a serious way. Old friends are avoiding each other, families are divided. There's no sense of the old way of managing differences. You know, we used to say, oh, so-and-so thinks such and such. You know, I know he's wrong, but it doesn't matter. We're still the best of friends. And that just doesn't seem to be working anymore. Time was, therefore, when we could disagree about some quite serious things and still be friends. We could hate the sin and love the sinner. What about Jesus' division? What about Jesus the King? The sheep and the goats are to be separated out. They are to be divided. But not by what they have thought, but by what they have done. Jesus wasn't requiring the elect, the people who were saved, the sheep, to subscribe to any particular worldview. He was looking for acts of kindness, not manifestos. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Hungry, thirsty, a stranger, no clothes ill, in prison. You know, you can construct all sorts of scenarios which may, let's say, broadly reflect your political outlook. 
to explain how any person could come into any one of those scenarios. And there's plenty of scope for disagreement. Hungry and thirsty. Because they've made bad life choices, perhaps. A stranger. Because they live somewhere that I don't go to. And perhaps they don't live the way we do. No clothes. Well, probably not literally. But scruffy, down at heel, when, you know, if they cared about their appearance, you know. Or they might be refugees from a poor country. Are they genuine refugees or just economic migrants? And that's a question which I suspect you as Americans would answer much more sympathetically than many of us Englishmen have been doing. The USA's prosperity is built on the labor of economic migrants, but we in England are now trying to keep them out. Or what if you're sick? What if you're ill? Another difference between our two countries is that I think we have more restrictive rules about when you can fire people. Basically, our law says that an employer has to show that he has a fair reason for terminating someone's employment, and it is presumed that it was not fair. But a fair reason in English law is if you are ill, if you are ill for too long. And again, that's where I expect there might be disagreement. On the one hand, you know, you can't run a business if you have to pay a salary for someone who's not there. But on the other, think what it would do to your powers of recovery if when you are in the depths of illness, you lose your job. What is your point of view? Whose side are you on? Jesus says, when I was in hospital, you came and visited me. Dare we say you visited me and didn't bring me any bad news. I hope so. Here in Hartford, in the home of the US insurance industry of the Hartford and the Aetna, let me dare say it, surely long-term sickness might be covered by an employer's insurance. Well, maybe that's too much. I was ill and you visited me. That's what Jesus said. I was in prison. You came to me. I am a criminal. I didn't deserve anything. I had done something terrible. Surely there are limits here. Some criminals are just too evil. They're too beyond the pale. At home, the man called the Moor's murderer, Ian Brady, has died. And there was controversy where his remains killed a number of children in appalling circumstances. And here Charles Manson has done it. Both of them I've heard called evil personified. But Jesus isn't judging them. Jesus' judgment, separating the sheep and the goats, is not about whether someone has been bad, has 
been a sinner, Jesus would have visited them and sat down and ate with sinners. That's the truth. That's how it is with Jesus. Not what you think. Perhaps not particularly reasonable, but good. So, I suspect that if we acknowledge Christ as King, as Judge Eternal, as we are invited to do today on this festival of Christ the King at the end of Thanksgiving, we may find a way to deal with our differences. And even, dare I say, those real deep differences over Brexit and Trump. Because ultimately those differences may not really be that important. Instead, we need to think sheep and goats. Acts of kindness, not manifestos. Amen. to say our prayers. Your church is Christ's body, O gracious one, the fullness of him who fits all in all. Inspire our service to the least of these, that we may feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, welcome strangers, clothe the naked, and visit the imprisoned as faithful servants of the hope to which Christ has called us.
for you are our God. Gather the nations before you, Sovereign One, to feed your creation with justice. We pray for our leaders that they will inspire us to create communities in which those who are lost and suffering are seen and nurtured. For you are our God. Seek the lost, O loving one. Bring back the strayed. Bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, especially those affected by natural disasters and political strife, those on our parish prayer list and those for whom we offer intercessions now. you are our God. Accept our thanksgiving for all the goodness of life, especially for the blessings we name now. For you are our God. For you are our God. You are our God, a gracious shepherd, and you care for all your sheep. Lead your creation into the fullness of your compassion, that with the eyes of the hearts enlightened, all people may know the kindness of your care and the riches of your glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God forever and ever. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you, God, for it is me, by what we have done, and by what we have done and we have not loved you with our whole heart.
what we call ordinary time, and it's hard to believe that it's fast approaching Advent and then Christmas, busy time of year. If you are new here or if you haven't been in a while, please feel free to take the pew card that's hanging in the pew in front of you and fill it out and put it in the offering plate, and I'd be more than happy to be in touch with you to share more about St. John's or learn more about you. Please keep your bulletins. There is a lot listed in the back as far as upcoming events. The biggest one right before us is the Christmas Festival, which is next Saturday. We still have some yard signs. If you would please take a couple and put in your yard or business, it's a great way to let the larger community know what we're up to here at St. John's. <clears throat> There's also a list of all sorts of things you can donate and volunteer for. So again, next Saturday, it's a wonderful time to come and be with friends and make new ones at the same time. Um, there's also listed in the back Advent services as well as our Christmas services. So it's a wonderful thing to keep a hold of, to be mindful, and also invite someone to come with you to some of these special services. It may be the biggest gift you can give to them at this time. I would also like to thank our guest preacher, Hugh Bryant, um, who is from England, as he mentioned. He is a licensed laborer, very different in England. And uh, actually, uh, we were talking three years of theological training to do this, and he preaches almost every Sunday in two different services. So it's really something to have you here, and thank you again for taking time. He is a, a retired lawyer. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing. <laughs> and most importantly, he is uh, a managing a food bank, and they feed many, many people. So. Again, something to be thoughtful and thankful for on that. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, wherever that may be, whether you're a sheep or a goat, <laughs> you are welcome to come forward and take the body and blood of Christ, the bread and the wine that we need to uphold us, sustain us with all the challenges we have in this life. So walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God. Cleaner also will have healing ministers at the font, so if you would like a blessing or a prayer for yourself or for someone else, please feel free to do so during communion.
everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on the first day of the week overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, to forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name.
remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with
Life is short, and we do not have too much time to gladden the hearts of those who travel with us. So be swift to love and make haste to be kind. In the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen.